It has come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space. Welcome to Talk Tank. Hello, you have reached the Talk Tank, the official LSE Entrepreneurs podcast where we delve into the minds of those who think, live, and breathe outside the box. My name is Udbella Escanero, and I will be your host for today. Welcome to Bits and Bytes, our series dedicated to innovation and technology at the heart of society's change. By searching into the technology that drives transformation, we will meet the humans who revolutionize our lives bit by bit. Today, we are speaking to Emma Ritterstadt, a VR pioneer and metaverse expert. Emma is the CEO and co-founder of the amazingly forward-thinking XR software development company, Warpin Media. Specializing in virtual and augmented reality, Warpin aims to bring the metaverse to businesses to ultimately shape the future for the better. Using their in-house developed Xelevate program, they help companies create and distribute impactful and innovative training programs, as well as create AR content and immersive storytelling experiences for brands. Based in Stockholm, Warpin has worked with clients all over the world, including Ferrari, Disney, and H&M. We'll hear about Emma's perspectives on the metaverse, its social potential, its impact on businesses, and its potential problems and future in regard to human engagement and interaction. You don't want to miss out on this episode. So at this point, we will have already introduced you briefly, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Who is Emma Redderstad? Well, uh, first of all, I'm a mother of two girls who are 11 and 7 years old. Um, I'm a very passionate person about a lot of different things in life. I love technology and I love humanity and I love nature. And I, there's so many things in life that you can de dig deeper into. So uh, I'm a passionate person with a lot of interests. That's wonderful. It's really good to have uh, different perspectives, not just the tech side, but you know, you've also said to focus on philosophy and all these other things. Before I continue, could you just uh, introduce to our listeners, you know, what does work in media do? And uh, could you also explain the metaverse generally as a concept? Okay, so let's start with the metaverse. First of all, as to your point, the metaverse is a futuristic concept. And to be very high-end about it or strategic about it, you can say that everything that we do on our phones and on our computers today online, we will be able to do in 3D. And we will immerse ourselves with our senses, I would say, much more uh, in everything. Uh, so simply put, it's the next evolution of the internet. And what we at Warpin do is that we're working with virtual and augmented reality because those are the two medias where we will experience the metaverse through. So we're building especially a software platform for training and education for businesses, but we're also doing a lot of augmented reality experiences for brands. And we do all our development in-house. Uh, so we're based in Stockholm and everyone that's working with us is at our offices. Thank you, that's so exciting. Um, what motivated you towards creating companies centered around these, you know, emerging immersive technologies and their implementation in business? Was there a specific defining moment that made you realize what you wanted to do? Well, I think that my my interest for sci-fi and fantasy and the future has always been very present in my life. So when I was younger, I used to game a lot. Uh, and I sat in dungeons in the 90s playing a lot of different games. and 
kind of came in contact with virtual reality, but it was very, very early days then. So I decided pretty early that I kind of felt that this would be the next evolution of what we're doing at the moment. So I remember, I, this was back in 2016, I read an article that now was the time for virtual reality, uh, that the processes and the computing power uh, wasn't so I decided then and there that I wanted to start a company where we could look at these technology from a perspective of how we can use it and not be used by the technology. So I've always felt very drawn to using technology for enhancing the human experience or making life easier for us or connecting us more to each other and so forth. Yeah, definitely. I think it's all a very exciting concept in terms of how we engage with like different things and experiences. So what do you think are the biggest impacts of the metaverse in business so far? How does this change the way that businesses engage with their customers or showcase their products with these new like 3D foundation? I think we should, if we take it one step back and we look what's happening in the world right now. So what we're seeing when we're talking about the metaverse and the Web3, we're seeing like seven, I would say, new technologies all developing at the same time. And that has almost never happened before. So we're seeing everything from 3D rendering to a cryptocurrency to Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, virtual and augmented reality. And all of those technologies will have a life of its own and impact businesses in ways I don't really think that we can even imagine yet. But if we're talking about the concept of the metaverse and when we're moving into this 3D world, I would say that it will be business crucial almost for companies to start looking at the metaverse. Where we can start right now, where we're really seeing um, that the metaverse technologies are solving problems is, for example, in training and education. So we have this problem that technology is moving in incredibly speed right now. So we know that in 2025, half of everyone will be needing reskilling or upskilling. And that is due to the speed of the technology. But the ways and the methods that we're using are very, how to say, boring. Uh, not engaging, uh, very time consuming, and it can also be very costly, especially if you're doing on-site training. So when you're training in virtual reality, you're fooling your senses that you are there. So you have a 70% retention of everything that you're learning there. You're 3.75 times more emotional connected to the content. And you can yeah. also make sure that everyone gets the same sufficient training regardless of where they are. So we're really seeing a lot of return on investment in the training area, business to business. And we can always look in history and we can see that we've had this kind of development previously when we started using you know, the mobile phone, for example. It started to be used by uh, salespersons traveling around the country because it was much mm -hmm. more cost efficient for them to use them. So we're yeah. seeing the same patterns now also. So business to businesses are using this to, you know, help processes be faster. Digital twins are being implemented in big industries. Um, and where we really can solve problems, I would say, is business to business. But when we're seeing and looking to the end consumer, I would say it's a pretty early market uh, right now. If you're looking at the big uh, land or Sandbox or Horizon, mm. it's very early days and it's not really you're not doing it to get return on investment you're doing it because you want pr or you want to see behaviors and you want to see how to start working into these spaces so yeah. we will see these different 
uh, projects coming up more and more and more. But from a business perspective, uh, companies really need to have a look at these seven different technologies and mm -hmm. see where they can start. You mentioned like these, you know, end consumer, like the more external applications that are all obviously very much in their beginning, because you have both VR employee training and the, you know, AR side. Um, but having like that, that emphasis on like the internal processes of business, I think yeah. this really um, will be very, you know, helpful and also just very effective for the businesses as well. Indeed. But for the consumer side of things, um, what have been some of your coolest or most memorable projects at work? And if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, we've had so many. We started in 2016 and that was pretty early, I would say, in this industry. And it felt like we were, you know, selling a futuristic machine in some ways. But one of the most, mem I have two memorable uh, projects, but one of the most memorable ones is when we did um, a big, uh, um, uh, what is a uh, fashion show for H&M and Moschino in New York. And we built this elongated television, old fashioned television uh, set where you could walk into the television and you put on a Magic Leap uh, AR glasses. And inside of this old television was all of these different things. And when you put on the glasses, it all came alive. So you could oh. touch a handbag and it melted over the podium. and. It was such an amazing experience because I remember we were literally coding until the first person was standing in line and we kind of press, press enter and the hardware was pretty immature at that time and everything was just like on the breaking point of working. And mm -hmm. we successfully made 400 people through the experience and mm -hmm. it generated, I think, over 6,000 articles and still does. And it was such a memorable experience to, to just be able to give a futuristic kind of glimpse of what this technology can give us, I would say. But one of the other memorable things that we did that maybe wasn't a, a project, but it was uh, when we visited Magic Leap, we were one of the first companies that got to visit Magic Leap uh, from Europe, but we were also the first developer there, here. And uh, we came and it was such a, you know, secretive company and it was almost like a Willy Wonka factory. And we went to Miami, <laughs> the whole company. And it was just mind blowing to see all of these new types of technology and to see how the headset will look in the future and how we will use it. So there are so many interesting things now because we're in the beginning of a technological, you know, revolution or a renaissance. So everything that we're doing now is like the first or the new or something like this. So it's uh, almost every project I feel is super exciting because you have on one side where you can see people be very happy and be very engaged with their experience, but also on the other side, where you can really see the benefits from connecting people or having people uh, experiencing therapy, for example, and see what great results it gives. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, everything is so on the cusp, but these experiences and these all these projects that, you know, you can still like see like their potential. You can see what they're actually doing, even though like, you know, as you said, you were coding until the last minute, but, you know, it created a wonderful like show. Um, yeah. Seeing as like this technology and, you know, our kind of use of it, our engagement with it is so at its beginning. Um, you said you feel responsible to kind of educate people on how to utilize the metaverse in a way that helps humanity go forward in a sustainable and inclusive way. 
especially as discussions regarding the metaverse is sometimes so technical about like the specific, you know, seven technologies, you know, the philosophical perspective on how to engage with these technologies um, also seems kind of essential. So I wanted to ask you if you think there are any kind of more fundamental social or like ethical problems you think that we might encounter with our use of these different technologies, you know, in various aspects of our lives, whether, you know, in creation, education or business. Yeah, I think that we will have several different hurdles to get over and in new ways. And to your point to educate people, I feel very strongly that we kind of missed when we enter the smartphone world or this very limited 2D screen. We kind of lost a whole generation uh, to know their own rights and to know their sovereignty uh, within the space. And also, I think that it's important to kind of talk about these topics so it doesn't become only a technical um discussion because i think that we will lose a lot of the important discussions that we need to have uh, how does it i mentioned before that you're 3.75 times more emotional connected to the content that you're experiencing so imagine being bullied in the metaverse if you're comparing that to online for example it's a much more um it's it feels much more so all of the things that we can use it for good is, of course, the other side of it, where you can feel um, the backside of feeling more from a situation. So I think it's very important that we start talking about these problems that we will face, because the same problems that we're facing online today will follow us into the metaverse if we don't think differently and if mm -hmm. we don't act differently. And we need more people to get involved into this space. Uh, when the internet was born, one of the most transformative technologies in history, it was also primarily built by a smaller group of people. And we need to have inclusion in, in building the metaverse. So we don't get, you know, racially discriminating AI recruitment tools <laughs> or, um, you know, unrealistic yeah. female body standard um, in video game characters. And things like that so we really need to to talk about this because when we're entering a space that feels when we're entering with our whole uh, you know body mm -hmm. and these topics are going to be very important to solve no yeah definitely that sounds i mean all of these you know real kind of more real life issues definitely will have to translate into this kind of very virtual world um yes there's I mean, there's obviously great value you know that virtual and mixed reality brings towards like our experiences um our human experience, whether it's, you know, in this metaverse or outside of it, do you think virtual experiences could lead to the loss of human sensitivity, like creativity or empathy? Because some people interpret as the interactions we have in this virtual world as more shallow. And, you know, with your example of bullying, do you think this will change kind of our behavior towards other individuals? Yeah, so I actually think the opposite. Uh, I think that we have been very limited and very numbed by our 2D screen. Uh, I think that we have lost our sense of connection with our 2D screens. And I think that this is actually an opportunity to educate and to once more try and solve that problem when we're entering a space where we are more connected and when we can feel more. Uh, one of my first virtual reality experiences was in, I went to a refugee camp um, and uh, I was standing in the mud and there was this eight-year-old girl who guided me through a day in her life. And tears were just running down my eyes because it's a whole different experience when you can put yourself in someone else's shoes. 
so this can be used with this technology. You can put um, male, for example, or men in a virtual reality headset and to experience how it is to be a woman and to be harassed in a work in the environment, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can really use the technology to, to help people to connect again and to help people to be part of a community again. Because I've yeah. seen so many great examples also where people who are, you know, in sick beds or can't leave their home for different reasons or, you know, can't travel mm -hmm. and so forth, that they can connect again to people. So I yeah. actually believe the opposite. I actually believe that this is an opportunity to reconnect again yeah, and to make sure that, you know, this pointless scrolling from TikTok or Instagram or whatever that we're doing. It's going to be, I think, if we're entering a 3D world, maybe not that uh, interesting anymore. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Um, definitely the reconnection part. You know, I saw there was, um, I think, a Korean mother that was reunited with her daughter yeah. who unfortunately passed away through VR. Um, and she was like there, like hugging this, yeah. this kind of virtual girl and she was crying as well. So, I mean, obviously there can be arguments made, like people say, for example, with the, the fashion collection, you know, it's so wonderful like you can touch it but you can't actually feel the texture but i do think that the point of these experiences being valuable isn't that it's exactly like you know it is in reality but that it provides like a new avenue to kind of see things in a different light so i definitely agree with you it does and i mean we we have to remember that we are in the beginning of this uh you know we will have a haptic feelings and we will probably be able in the next years to actually feel fabrics for example and to feel things and to have that feeling if we want to but that is going to be up to us on how we want to use this technology i'm a huge fan of thinking of how can technology benefit me how can technology uh, may realize for me that i can you know spend more time with my friends or more time with my uh, children and do things that you know, saves time. So I'm very yeah. focused in using the technology to help me get more time. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, it can be used to, you know, integrate yeah. what we already do and kind of help us move forward. Um, and I think it's important to raise these questions and to talk about it. And we have these also questions with every technological leap. Uh, when we're, you know, we went from one one TV channel to two, people were like, oh, how are we going to, you know, survive? Or when we went <laughs> yeah. to 10 to channels, it was like crazy. So I feel that the technology is moving in such a big speed that we need to realize where we can utilize it and not get caught by it as we mm -hmm. have been with our 2D screens. Do you have any particular ideas of what the metaverse will look like in, say, 5, 10 or 20 years? Do you have an idea of how far humans can kind of develop ourselves and our technology? Is there a limit? No, probably not. It feels like we as a race, we are very curious. And if we can build something, we will. Uh, that's almost the foundation of our society. But what I think is going to be important moving into the space is to bring our humanity in it, into it and to bring you know, what really makes us human, which is empathy and creativity as one of the core values into this space. But, you know, in 10 years, we will definitely have, I think, a more scaled version of a metaverse where you can enter and you can bring your digital assets and you can move between different types of metaverses. Um, and you can bring your digital content with you and do a different uh, experience things. 
I think in five years, the majority of companies will have had done something in the metaverse. They will probably, big companies will have had their training done through virtual reality. Uh, but within, you know, 20 years, we will probably have lenses and, you know, we will probably be able to taste and smell things that we're experiencing yeah. in a virtual reality headset or in our lenses. So, you know, we have no idea and we have to remember the only way that we can project the future is where we are at right now. If you're looking at the old photos when they projected the future, they had the old phones, but a screen. So it's hard also to imagine all of the new things that can come with this. It's also hard to imagine, you know, new types of materials and new types that could solve problems that we can't really identify how we can solve them today. You know, everything that you're saying is so like futuristic and, you know, just amazing. Like I'm really excited to see like what people come up with kind of, um, yeah, but also it seems, it seems like there could be a lot of maybe difficulty in translating because we already, in our reality, our current, you know, with the phones, with the internet, I feel like there's already a set kind of guideline or regulation on how, okay, this is how you behave or this is how you use it. But um, yeah. obviously this this is still to be determined um, if within the virtual world, I guess. Um, and I have mm -hmm. an example for you. Uh, I just want to see, you know, what your opinions on it are, because mm -hmm. there's there's been lots of debate on it, you know, just kind of philosophically. Um, the Supreme Court of the Netherlands, um, in a case deemed it a robbery when two boys used non-virtual violence to coerce another boy into relinquishing his uh, virtual amulet and mask. Um, mm. Do you think this is theft? Because the judge obviously did, you know, this is real theft, but some people think, you know, it's the, virtu it's the virtual world, it's, you know, it doesn't count. You know, what are your thoughts I, on this? I, I, I have a hard time actually uh, understanding the people saying that this is not theft. You know, a digital asset is, of course, an asset, regardless if it's digital or if it's physical. And I think that this will be truly interesting going forward, because, of course, things that you own, regardless of their if they're virtual or not, are your property. And if we start to go down that road, I think that we will not have a very uh, safe uh, society going forward. So, you know, I also am a fan of making sure that if you are bullying or doing something within the metaverse, that will also be seen as something that, you know, is almost in the real life as well. Yeah. Because you have to, we have to translate uh, our physical world into the digital world and start to think the same way, way there as we're doing here. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the metaverse can be also a bit different because I feel you know, on our current kind of digital platforms and, you know, whether it's gaming um, or like gaming lobbies or, you know, VR chats, like people seem to behave in very different ways than they would in real life. You know, they can call each other names and they, mm. it, it feels very far removed. So hopefully, you know, you know, the metaverse really can, you know, generate this more empathy, as you say. Um, yeah. And I mean, to to the point that we talked about before, if we're looking at what's happening, you know, with our language and our tonality and how we speak to each other, uh, you know, we can see how, how this has developed online. And as I said before, the same problems will follow us into the metaverse, but it will be felt so much more. So I think that all the yeah. problems that we're facing uh, will be heightened and must be dealt with. And I think that there are many different ways to do that. And I think that the, the strength 
of the metaverse is that it's only going to be our imagination to what we can experience and what we can develop. So if yeah. you get bullied in the metaverse, why don't you as the victim get superpowers? So you be 10 you know, times taller than the person bullying. I don't know. But, you know, yeah. these are things that we can solve in ways that we couldn't before. This example of, you know, becoming super tall with superpowers, I feel like what's attractive about the metaverse also is kind of how limitless it is, you know, yeah. also in terms of storytelling, like you kind of choose your own, your path, your own story. And this seems to be like an integral part of the whole experience now. Yeah, I think that the future will belong to storytellers. And I've always felt it <laughs> that, you know, we as a race are also storytellers. We gathered yeah. around the fire a thousand years ago and told stories. And that's what we do. And this also enable us to tell stories in more compelling ways that we haven't been able to do before. We can emerge ourselves into a story. You can be part of a movie. You can be part of a game. You can be part of a story. And I think that the next era will be the era of co-creation, where mm -hmm. the consumer will be part of creating a story or a brand or a product. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that speaks to something, you know, very innate. So I think, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how things will be like when people are so involved in creating these things when previously it was kind of a more, you know, you are the consumer, that is the company. Yes, and that's it. That's so true. We have been spoon fed with so much. <laughs> and, you know, this is like the, truly an opportunity to be part of developing the society and and the, the things that we want mm -hmm. in our lives. Also, you have been very active as a, a leading female entrepreneur, you know, you having been the CEO of Modern Women Media, in which you represented some of Sweden's most prominent female-focused digital platforms. Um, you've also dedicated quite some time to mentoring female entrepreneurs. You are quite the role model, I'd say. Um, oh. Is there any advice you'd give to our female students at LSE who are maybe thinking of going into entrepreneurship? Um, oh, there's so many advices, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, one of them is to follow your passion uh, to start off with. It's very easy to get sucked into what you should do. And it's very easy to to get sucked into what society expects from you. And uh, I remember, you know, when you went to school and uh, your parents said you should do this. And when you graduated, you know, you were following the flock kind of you took a job at a big company and you know to do your years there and so forth and all of that is good but you know if you have a passion of really wanting to create something this is the time this is the time where you know we're in the beginning of this you know renaissance so imagine if you were at the beginning of the internet what would you do and this applies here now as well so I my advice is just to go for it and to believe in yourself because if you have the passion and the vision, everything else will kind of solve itself. And the um, I have so many tips, but the other thing is also to kind of, what really helped me is not to do it by myself, to kind of pair up with someone that, you know, complements you, that yeah. is the opposite of you almost. Because to do it with a friend and, uh, you know, someone that you maybe get along with, it's not the optimal uh, situation. So mm -hmm. to really find people that can help you um, build your vision, you know, I think it's 
Yeah. And, you know, also in school where you are at the moment, this is the time where you're building relations and business yeah. and everything. It's all about relations. It's all about connections. So the people that you're going with uh, today are going to be the ones that can help you in the future as well. Okay. No, that's really good advice. I think you can get very swept up in kind of what everyone is doing. Um, yeah. Because everyone is usually doing the same kind of more corporate thing. Um, yeah. So Internships, you know, yeah. at big companies. And and yeah. I've seen it so many times. You do a couple of years and you kind of, you know, you work your ass off. And and you and then you you know you you move from there and then you take another thing and it's it's all good but you know feel your worth mm -hmm. uh, feel that you're not I have a strong feeling also that with all of these new technologies AI will solve a lot of the brainy problems mm -hmm. that we're facing so what's going to be very important for companies I think is the staff or is the humans behind it. So how much would you say your education helped you get into the startup world? Did this help you make you know the connections or the person that you that you partnered up with or oh, no it, I, we Patrick and I we didn't went go to school together. We met through mutual friends. Uh, but I would definitely say that school for me has given me a couple of things. It's giving me confidence and I think that that is pretty important to have because if you haven't read anything, in theory, it's very hard, regardless if you can't use that theory in the practic world later, it gives yeah. you confidence. And what it also gives you is, to my previous point, are the connections and, you know, friends for life. Uh, so yeah. you need that. You, you, can, you can't su survive in this uh, world alone. We need each other and we need to help and support each other. So I've had that with me from the very beginning that, you know, people that work for me can be my boss in a couple of years or mm -hmm. people that I meet and clients. Uh, it, it's like I'm never just wanting to do the best deal for me. Uh, it always has to be win-win. And that is how you build your network and your connection. And I think that school is great for that. Uh, yeah. But from um, but I've almost forget for forgot everything I learned from, you know, economics <laughs> or statistics. It didn't really stuck. Education, I mean, I think it will always have a value. University or also, you know, within the metaverse, like you can create these really helpful kind of training or education programs. Yes. I mean, of course, you always need the basis, but in the end, it's, it's going to be up to what you do with the knowledge that you have acquired. Yeah. And how you use it and how your mind creates around the knowledge mm -hmm. that you're having. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, also, just leading back to the the women um, aspect again, because you said the lack of female engagement was, you know, really harmful in the kind of toxic gaming world that you experienced. Yeah. Um, is this, I mean, I guess this is a problem that you think also needs focusing on and the kind of building up of the metaverse, but is there any like specific ways you think that we should kind of go about this? I think we should start by talking about the metaverse from a philosophical standpoint. Um, it's it's no need for more. Of course, you know, we will always be needing more female programmers, for example. But, you know, what we need is more people with different skill sets to be involved in the metaverse. 
and especially women, because we don't even have that balance. We need even more than that. We need, you know, diversity in general. But if we don't even have the women male, um, then we're out on deep water. And, you know, only 5% of the startups within this uh, industry are owned by women. And oh, wow. when, you know, when women are underrepresented, a lot of technical decisions are made from a man's, you know, judgments, yeah. opinions, and that results in biases. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I'm like really encouraging more women to get involved in this space because you don't need to be able to code. You don't need to be able to, to, you know, talk in all of those technical lingo. You can manage anyways because you can have a vision of how to use the technology and you can, you know, have a great uh, knowledge about how to package your product or how to all of these things we need in the metaverse. Yeah. So I feel very it's very important that more women get involved. And it's also about, you know, how, who are who is going to own it, who's going to make money. I yeah. want more women to make money uh, from yes. this uh, new revolution that we kind of yeah. missed with the Internet. Just to give you a number, I think that 98 or 99 percent of the tech uh, billionaires are male. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think with it in the internet era, I know of any you know kind of women you know tech no. leaders. It's, it's been very um, male centered so far. So it hopefully, has. hopefully the metaverse will be different. Um, but I think that's really great advice, you know, to women and also just generally people that you know you don't need to be you know knowing how to no. code or knowing all these like technical you know very specific skills or knowledge. People should be more aware of like the different ways that you can kind of. Help yeah, and I, and I mean a great exercise if you are wanting to enter the space, and if you if you have an a, you know an entrepreneurial um, vein in you, then uh, what how to think about the metaverse is to kind of imagine when the things that we're doing today we're sitting in front of the screen like we're uh, you know in in globally we are online about seven hours per day. So what will happen when the different things that we're doing today will become more immersive or how will that influence businesses? How will that influence consumers? How will that influence my life? And start from yourself. What problems do you see that this technology can solve or what do you miss or lack yourself that this mm -hmm. technology can solve? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way of kind of seeing it. You know, every problem that you can kind of see now or anything that you anything that's in reality, I think you can very much kind of just create it on a whole other level yeah. um, with these new technologies. So yeah, definitely very excited. Um, yeah, to see the future, I guess. Yeah, and to build it from, an, you, you know, to your point that the ethical side or empathy side, because that is what we're lacking uh, mm. uh, between us. Yeah, I think your focus on the importance of, you know, creating more empathy, and creating more creativity is very, very good because that's kind of what we need. And, you know, technology can help us in many ways, but it should also help us in these kinds of with these values. Yeah, the metaverse is just a, a big playing field. So many things to think about. Um, yeah, and I mean, just to say, because a lot of people say, well, you know, the metaverse, oh, it's dead because Decentraland has been devalued or there wasn't yeah. that many in Sandbox or Horizon hasn't. Yeah. I don't think that those are going to be the metaverses where we will spend our time at all, actually. Mm -hmm. Since we are just in the beginning of this, we will see so many great new companies and ideas and vision 
come from this when more people yeah. understand what this can uh, mean. And mm -hmm. the old tech truth, I think, is really true here that in the beginning of a new technology, we always overestimate things with shiny new things, you know, like yeah. and things like that. But in the long term, we always underestimate it when it comes to business mm -hmm. models, new revenue streams, and you know, society changes. And internet, they if you remember when it came, it revolutionized government, education, healthcare. And the metaverse, I think, will do exactly the same. Yeah. It's either you think about it too small or too big, but I think as with the internet, the metaverse will be such a big part, you know, very very integrated and very revolutionizing kind of our way our way of life yes so coming to we have a section called real talk um and there's a few questions that we have um one of them is if you could change anything about society what would it be and this can be in relation to like the metaverse in relation to technology or anything anything at all well you know what i would love to change is the educational system uh, especially for the younger generation um, when we started to have you know the schools in general it was built for industrial workers and since you know society has moved in speed of light technology wise uh, i would love to see an upgrade in how we teach our children um, about life and what's happening because i feel that there's a lack of discrepancy between what they're educating in school and what the actual world looks like mm -hmm. so i would love to change that but okay. then maybe on a bigger note i would also love to change some of the world leaders at the moment okay. that would be possible yeah <laughs> i think a lot of people would like to change that <laughs> about the education part um do you think it's too like outdated or traditional yes i do and i think that we're seeing, you know, when I'm so old now that back in my days, you know, ADHD, for example, did almost didn't exist because those were just troublemakers. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you're seeing children example for, you know, paving new uh, ground or, you know, being out there and not fitting into the system, they often get discarded by the school system. Yeah. And uh, I feel we're losing a lot of talent and we're killing a lot of creativity and we're really making school hard for a lot of children. So mm -hmm. I feel that that needs to change, but also the way that we are educating in general, we need, mm -hmm. you know, I sat with my daughter yesterday and she had to learn all the little rivers in Sweden. Oh. By heart. And that's oh. to me, doesn't really make sense. It's mm -hmm. important to realize that there are rivers and what they do and how we can use them and what they're good for. But to yeah. know everyone by name, I feel is very outdated. No, I agree with you. I think the current education system is very geared towards kind of creating more I don't know more people for like kind of the corporate jobs I feel yeah it's very... and just to be a wheel in the big yes. machine uh, when I went to school myself I I got very you know geared into being one of these corporate persons when mm -hmm. in fact I'm not that at all and yeah. if I would have just gotten that more uh, push or encouragement when I was younger to to have that confidence to to mm. bet on myself and my my inner self i think that my life would have seen differently and that i don't yeah. mean that i regret anything but i mm -hmm. feel that we're losing a lot of people yeah i think definitely schools and society and people in general should kind of put more importance on kind of creativity and being just being different and you know not 
always focusing on the kind of the same thing on the same trajectory. So I, that's yeah. a very, very good point. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and our sec another signature question, um, what's an unconventional truth you believe helped you achieve your success? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Maybe one unconventional truth is that a lot of people have said to me, at least, that you couldn't start a company if you had small children or mm -hmm. that you can't combine being a mother and working and doing mm -hmm. the things that you really enjoy. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's not a truth. For me, the truth is that you can definitely do that and you can definitely have both and it all you know comes down to how you spend your time and how you manage your time i've always been told that i can't do things i've always been told that you know that's not possible or you can't do that we've never done that before and things like that and you know we built a company from scratch uh, with the opposite of that thinking thinking that of course if you need to pick up your children you should be able to and if you need to do something, you should be able to because mm -hmm. uh, it's a long run to work. Uh, so I'm more for the uncon maybe unconventional truth of having empathy and having, you know, me as a human, as a leader, and not just being very corporate and you have to succeed in mm -hmm. these KPIs and things like that. No, I think that's a great um, idea for our listeners as well, and just for anyone really you can kind of do whatever you want you know you can have a family but you can also you know start up your own tech company um and kind of have both things um balanced yeah when i started warping i was uh, newly divorced and had a three-year-old and a one-year-old uh, yeah. and i had my kids almost all the time so it's mm -hmm. definitely doable and you can do it from things you know and i think that that is why i'm so interested in technology Mm -hmm. Because if technology can enable me to work less and spend more time with my family, yeah. then I want to be part of developing uh, that route yeah. so that I don't have to travel for mm -hmm. that meeting. I can be part with my avatar and yeah. I don't have to, you know, have those uh, go to that fair. I can be, go to it digitally and all of these things that can help me to spend more time. Uh, with my family. And I think that that also makes me a better, uh, you know, leader in general. Mm -hmm. so. No, yeah, for sure. I think that's a great motivation to have in terms of developing of these technologies to, mm. to create more time, you know, for individuals to do what they want. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are, those are two great answers um, to our real talk questions. To wrap up our interview, we have one final question to ask you when we ask this um, to everyone that comes on the podcast. Um, if you could invite anyone in the world you want for a podcast interview like this, who would you invite? Well, at the moment, I would love to invite Dalai Lama at that case. If it was a dead okay. person, I would love to interview uh, Buddha. And Ooh. it's not that I feel it's from a very personal point of view, I think, because mm -hmm. I think that now with everything's happening in this world, I would love to talk about how, you know, people with a very high spiritual connection would look at technology and would look at us as a human race where we're heading where we're going and to see how we can incorporate our whole human nature um, yeah. into this world and how we can bring back humanity i would love to talk about that from that point of view yeah no that sounds great i think that'd be very interesting to also 
hear about. Um, but yeah, I think generally your perspectives on the metaverse, on the te on technology, is just very uh, refreshing, and I think our listeners will be very inspired. Yeah, it's an it's a wonderful world out there, you know. Yeah. So we just have to make sure that it's available for the majority of us. Well, all our listeners will be very excited to hear this episode. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, a big thank you to Emma Ritterstadt for joining us this week on the Talk Tank. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and leave your message after the beep.